Hello and welcome. Hop on into our Hot Oven Time Machine, the podcast where we dive into the history of baking and try out recipes past and present. My name is Joseph, a master amateur baker. And I'm Monty, a master baker in training. How's it going? It's, it, it's going. It's going. <laughs> We're moving along. Yeah. Day in, day out. I would say my week from hell, but it's just been a month from hell, honestly. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. I don't want to complain. I want to be positive. I hate complaining. Positivity. We are optimistic on this podcast. Which is a new direction for me, because in my life, I'm sometimes not very optimistic. You're pretty much always pessimistic. I like to think I'm a realist. No, that's just being a pessimist. (laughs) (laughs) How are you, though? I'm doing pretty good. I'm starting a, quote, new job. It's... Your old job? (laughs) At a previous employer, but it's a promotion, so... Yeah. I'm excited about that. Looking forward to it. I'll miss my old job, but... Hi, old co-workers. Hope you're doing good. <laughs> this will really date the when we recorded this episode versus when it'll come out, because you'll know when I last worked at the job that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Hi, current co-workers. <laughs> or at least we assume they're still current. No, I imagine they'll still be current. Don't do that to me. <laughs> So, uh, food. What's, what's, uh... Food. Oh, here's a hint. Hola, como estas? Muy bien. That's all the Spanish I remember. I remember... Como ustedes? That's wrong. That's kind of how are you all. (laughs) Kind of, I think. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Feliz Cinco de Mayo. There we go, yeah. I, despite taking... I had two years of Spanish. How many did you take? I took a high school level course of Spanish and a college course of Spanish. Both of mine were high school level, so I would assume your Spanish would be a little better than mine. See, when I watch, like, Narcos and stuff, and they're speaking Spanish, I can catch a few, like, quite a few words. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I cannot speak it. I can read some words, like, if if you gave me something in Spanish, I could get the gist of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I cannot speak it. I think I tried to learn a second language too late in my life. I've, I've tried learning other languages. And I, it, it just it doesn't stick up here in this noggin of mine. Yeah, for some reason, I think I know more Welsh than I do Spanish, which the, is uh, not helpful. <laughs> the, the, uh, the only Spanish phrase I can remember is, ¿Dónde está la biblioteca? Where's the library? Yeah. Como, como se llama? Is that what's your name? Yes. I <laughs> uh, also know Donde esta el baño, which is where's the bathroom. Yeah, I remember in high school there was a teacher where she was like, if you ask to use the restroom, you have to do it in Spanish. Um, I had a different teacher at that point. She was pretty cool. She was from Colombia. Ooh. Yeah, that was in high school, by the way. That's fun. Yeah. But we're just two white people who can't speak Spanish. No, yeah, I couldn't couldn't say couldn't speak Spanish to save my life. But I probably could if I tried, but I'm really bad at keeping up with learning languages. Today we're celebrating Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. But what is Cinco de Mayo? Well, 
First of all, it's May 5th. Hey, you just read my first bullet point. <gasps> oh, no, shit. that's okay. That's fine. <laughs> For those who don't know, Cinco de Mayo literally means the 5th of May. You know, it's it's like when we say July 4th, it's it's the 4th of July. <laughs> While uh, wildly popular in the United States, it isn't celebrated with the same vigor south of the border. Why is this celebration held every year, and why is it more popular in the U.S. than Mexico? Let's hop in the hot oven time machine and travel back to 1861 to learn more. Click. Beep, beep, boop, boop. Vroom, vroom. What's it? <laughs> it's an oven. <laughs> Not a car. Yeah, but it's a time machine, too. Well, wouldn't it just make weird noises? like Weird oven noises? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in Doctor Who, it, it's like... Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> and it makes sciencey noises. I like to think that our uh, hot oven time machine is powered by a Formula One engine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. 1861, is that what you said? Yes. Well, I said 1861. We're going to go back just a little bit further. Oh, okay. There, there's a lot of uh, setup to this to this date. Readjust. Click, click. Beep, beep, boop, boop. <laughs> we're going we're to be all over the place over like two decades. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> but in 1861, Mexico was in a tight spot. From 1846 to 1848, Mexico and the USA were in an armed conflict over the secession of the Republic of Texas from Mexico. And then the joining of Texas to the Union, and Texas wanting to set its southern border deeper into Mexican territory than Mexico uh, was comfortable with. After this Mexican-American War, Mexico had its own civil war, known as the Reform War, where the liberals and conservatives fought over the direction of the country. Once this conflict was settled in 1861, with the liberals having won the war, Mexico looked at its finances and saw that two wars within just as many decades had racked up quite the cost. What was Mexico to do? Well, on July 17, 1861, Mexican President Benito Juarez issued a hold on paying all foreign debts for two years, which would solve uh, their money problems in the short term, which was great for Mexico. Uh, but unfortunately, the nations of France, Britain, and Spain uh, didn't take kindly to not receiving payments for debts owed. So those three countries sent warships to Mexico to pressure the Mexican government, uh, essentially showing up, uh, waving bats around and saying, hey, where's my money? White people. While Mexico was able to come to a peaceful agreement with Spain and Britain, France decided it would use this as an opportunity to expand the second French empire and recreate a French presence in North America. <laughs> So under the orders of Napoleon III, a well-armed French fleet landed in Veracruz in late 1861 to begin the French conquest of Mexico. The first wave of this invasion was short-lived, however. The 8,000 French soldiers were soundly defeated by 4,000 Mexican soldiers on May 5, 1862 in Puebla. This defeat was significant for two reasons. The first being that it was massively impressive that while outnumbered 2 to 1, the Mexican army defeated the French army, which hadn't lost a major conflict in 50 years. Woo! Kick those French's asses. <laughs> the French deserve it. Well, the French of the Second French Empire, yes. <laughs> yes. Any kind of uh, empire is, is usually not a great no. uh, form of government for most involved. 
Yeah. The uh, second uh, significant reason being that if the French had been able to steamroll through to Mexico at the time, they may have uh, aided the Confederate States in the U.S. Civil War, which could have greatly changed the outcome of that conflict. Yeah. The defeat of the French forces created a significant morale boost to the Mexican army and established a larger sense of national unity and patriotism among Mexican citizens. And while that one victory was great, the victory was short-lived. Oh no. France didn't take too kindly to losing their first major battle in a 50-year period. Mm-hmm. So a year later, they sent 30,000 French troops and successfully invaded Mexico City and installed Emperor Maximilian I as ruler of Mexico. Jesus Christ. But now we're on the upswing. That victory was also short-lived. Good. In 1865, with the Civil War concluded in the U.S., the U.S. government, which, if we remember, was one of the reasons Mexico had to withhold foreign aid or withhold foreign debt payments from the French to begin with because they'd had a war with them 20 years previously. Mm-hmm. The U.S. started to provide Mexico with political and mil- military aid to expel the French. With the U.S. entering the fray, as well as the threat of war with Prussia, Napoleon III started to withdraw from Mexico in 1866. Maximilian I was captured and executed. On June 5, 1867, Benito Juarez entered Mexico City and restored the country country's government. Woo! Execution! It is kind of poetic justice that uh, the French uh, emperor of Mexico uh, was executed. If, if only they'd done it by guillotine, that would have been... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the ultimate irony. Big middle finger. <laughs> so, those are the events. That's why the 5th of May is, is such a large celebration. But uh, why is Cinco de Mayo more popular in the U.S. than Mexico? The answer is twofold. The celebration of Mexican culture and, unfortunately, commercialization. Much like St. Patrick's Day, Mexican residents in the U.S. originally celebrated Cinco de Mayo as the celebration of the defeat of the French army. Over time, and with the Chicano movement of the 1940s, the celebration evolved into a more general celebration of heritage. Which is overall a good thing. Yeah. I'm down with that. Celebrating one's past. It's all great. Sadly, the commercialization of the holiday has been steadily increasing since the 1980s, when beer companies decided to double down on the celebratory nature of the holiday to push up beer sales. In 2013, beer sales were higher on Cinco de Mayo than either the Super Bowl or St. Patrick's Day that year. Which is kind of shocking. But beer? Yeah. Why would they push beer, though? Beer is nasty. <laughs> well, and then beer companies also own some liquor companies. Like, Oh, that's true. Yeah. So if you feel that you must drink as part of your celebration for today, uh, try supporting a Mexican brewery down with American Big Beer. Yes! <laughs> support local businesses. Support local businesses and support uh, local or international Mexican and Latinx businesses. Yes. Always, always support any POC business. Gotta do what we can. Exactly. Otherwise, we end up with boring white monoculture. Oh, yeah. That just sucks. Yeah. I remember in high school, my uh, teacher, uh, my Spanish teacher was just like, yeah, I don't get why you guys celebrate it so much, but... Yeah, in Mexico, it's, like, it's a day of note. Like, when May 5th rolls around, everyone 
you know, we'll have a moment of silence and they commemorate the battle and the victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's not quite as a, a celebratory day for them as, say, maybe uh, Mexican Independence Day, which is held in September. Yeah. Since that was like the actual, you know, independence from Spain when the Spanish came in and conquered Mexico. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the history and importance of Cinco de Mayo. Nice. I feel like I actually knew some of that. I was actually surprised. I didn't know that the French had uh, invaded and uh, ruled Mexico for a time. Uh, what haven't they invaded? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. I just, I was, I was shocked. Uh, didn't really cover that in a whole lot in our American history classes. No. I remember the American-Mexican War, but uh, yeah. they didn't talk about anything after that. Yeah, it's like, if it doesn't have anything to do with America, we do not care. Yeah, like, they do not cover it in, in our history classes at all. No. But I believe uh, in, in celebration today for Cinco de Mayo, our uh, food choice here, we're going to throw it over to Monty. I believe she's going to inform us what what food will be mm. <laughs> i'm so sorry maybe we shouldn't have eaten lunch before uh, yeah, recording probably. <laughs> I'm gonna throw it over to monty she's gonna let us know what our food is and a little bit of the history give us a recipe overview all that fun jazz take it away so our food today is the lovely churro yummy yummy yummy, yummy. i've only had it a handful of times in my life <laughs> I think this is actually the first time I've actually tried a churro. I've tried churro-flavored things before. Mm-hmm. But I think this is my honest-to-God first churro. I mean, this is my second time making them. I believe the first time I made it was... It was actually, uh, like, green apple churros. Like, we would, like, Ooh. grate some apples, kind of do that. It was like... Hold that thought. Well, I don't remember what it's called. I'm trying oh. to remember what it's called. Gotcha. What's something that has green apple and is in a bread? Uh, fritters? Uh, it was apple fritters! There we go. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know if that counts as a churro, but it's still made the same it's, way. It's in the ballpark. So we made apple fritters, not churros with green apples, but it's still made the same way. It's like basically making choux cream. Not cream. Dough. Gotcha. Yeah, it's basically just pat shoe dough because when I made those having huge brain farts today. <laughs> yeah, you are. Really stinking up this place. <laughs> when I made those things that have the cream in them and the chocolate on top. For school? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's the same dough. Same process. Anywho, the history of the churro. While the exact origin of the churro is unclear, there are two prevailing theories. First is that the Portuguese brought back the predecessor of the churro from China. The Chinese dish called Yutiao? We're gonna roll with. Okay, is a similar fried dough recipe. The second theory is that the churro was a modification of an ancient Roman recipe used by Spanish shepherds as a replacement for fresh baked goods. Either way, the dough is extruded through a star-shaped nozzle, which gives the churro very thin edges that fry nicely and get crispy, while the inside remains light and fluffy. Popular toppings for the churro include a sugar and cinnamon mixture, melted chocolate, dulce de leche, or café con leche, 
which I believe is just coffee, milk. Yeah, I think it's uh, coffee and scalded milk. I'm not sure what the difference between scalded milk and heated milk would be. I don't know what makes a difference either. It's, it's a coffee and milk mixture. Yeah, like <laughs> dulce de leche, <laughs> but with coffee. Dolce de leche is actually uh, milk and sugar and then heated uh, to sort of be caramelized. Yeah. I got you. <laughs> you might also use, um, what's it called? It's really fun to watch the gears in your head turn. Milk in a can. What's that called? Condensed milk. Condensed milk. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, um, much like the pretzels, churros are sold as a street snack made fresh in many Spanish and Latin American countries today. So I'm curious, uh, do you know if the cinnamon and sugar mixture that we put on churros here in America, is that like standard worldwide, or is that a just American? It is just an American thing. <laughs> just American. Because I guess we really like cinnamon and sugar. Yeah, we do. What do they do in... Mexican or Latin countries? Uh, I believe they just serve them... Plain? Yeah, they serve them plain, but then, you know, you can get the side of chocolate or dolce de leche. You know, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's nice. That's nice. So what's the, uh, what's the recipe like? Because I saw you baking away in there a little bit, but I didn't quite catch what all went into it. I was, like, when I was talking about that last sentence, I had a thought. But it is a, I don't know if it's a street snack per se, since it's at Disneyland or World or whatever. But ever since they put out their recipe over quarantine, when I was researching churro recipes, that's all I could find was the Disney one. Interesting. I guess everybody likes it so much. But basically, when you're making patechoux cream... You're going to melt uh, the butter in the water. And then in this dough, you added a quarter of a teaspoon of cinnamon from the recipe. Like, it gives you the full amount mm -hmm. to, like, have ready. But then um, you just take a quarter of a teaspoon and dump it in that water. And then you let it boil. And then once it gets to a boil, turn it on low. And then you add the flour and you mix it. Now, in... This recipe particularly, it doesn't have any, like, tips or anything. This is a tip that I kind of learned from school, which is, like, you kind of let it cook for a minute on low, mm -hmm. and then it'll have, like, this starchy buildup on the pan, and that's when you know it's kind of ready. And then if you don't want to sit and wait for five to ten minutes for it to cool down, you can just throw it in the mixer and mix it which would help it cool down. Oh, okay, to like dissipate the heat. Yeah, you don't want to add any eggs until it's at least 120 degrees. Oh, yeah, because then you just cook the eggs. <laughs> yes, and it'll just be eggy and gross. Yeah, don't want that. Which has been my mistake in the past. Yeah, and then you only add an egg at a time. You just want to make sure you get that consistency right. Because sometimes, even in certain recipes, I guess depending on weather and all that, uh, you might not even have to use all the eggs. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, because I know for school I didn't use all the eggs. I think I had like two eggs left. One or two. Oh, so it's more of like you just add eggs so you get like a certain consistency? Yeah. Oh, okay. 
yeah, it's gonna be, it's definitely gonna be thick. It's not gonna kind of come apart easy. Oh, okay. It's gonna be like pretty smooth and all that. So it's it's gonna be like a. It's not quite thick as a dough, but not quite as thin as maybe a, like a pancake batter. Yeah, I, it's gonna be in between that. Gotcha. Definitely, it's kind of pasty. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Then you just fry that shit. Fry that shit. That's always. I mean, when frying is involved, as we learned with donuts, it just it elevates breads. It really does. I just it's amazing what frying. And an oil can do. You do have to be careful. You always have to fry at 350 degrees. Because typically if it's above or below that, it'll get like a chewy, rubbery texture. Right, yeah. Like it won't uh, fry properly. Like you might cook the outside faster than the inside. Or mm-hmm. if you cook, if it the if it's too low, it absorbs too much oil. And it's just going to be a greasy mess. And, and uh, Nobody wants a greasy mess. And uh, yeah, if, if you... Uh, say eat too many of the dough that you fry that's uh the heat isn't hot enough and it has way too much grease in it you might throw up i'm just gonna say that right now yeah uh, unfortunately last time when we, when, when we made was donuts the previous episode i think donuts was the previous episode uh, no we way. accidentally made some donuts that weren't quite uh they were too thin, first of all. They were too thin, and then we I think the oil wasn't hot enough. We did something. They took on too much oil, and, and Monty was unfortunately a little sick after eating yeah. donuts. <laughs> Bro, I had like three or four donuts that night. Yeah, I mean, they were yummy. It was hard to resist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you're going to roll out some dough, um, make sure you notice the difference between centimeters and inches on your ruler if you're going to use one. I read the wrong one. Whoopsie daisy. It's okay though. We used um, fudge for our side uh, that we got from work. <laughs> Thanks, work. <laughs> Thanks. They let me take home stuff all the time. When you uh, did our churros, did you use a, a star-shaped tip like like standard churro? Yes. Making? Oh, okay. I'm not a fool. <laughs> I follow the recipe, man. I'm just making sure. I'm I'm excited to to taste these churros. How about we we warm a couple up and dip them in some fudge and get yeah. get to tasting. I will say they only stay fresh for a few hours. Like technically, if you leave them overnight, I mean this happens with a lot of fried goods, especially if you make them at home. And there might be a better way to store them so it doesn't happen. But it kind of absorbs the sugar and the cinnamon. Ah. Uh. So, and there might be a better way to store it so that doesn't happen. I haven't found it yet. I'm sure there's also some commercial way of making them last longer. Yeah. We're probably not aware of. Yeah. All right. Well, Monty's going to plate us up some churros and get to testing. Woohoo. Thank you. Ooh, even drizzled it on top for me. Nice. I'm just taking a look at it here. The nice crumb on the inside. It's got like this fun, uh, there's like an outer layer and sort of inner layer. Yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of air pockets. Yeah. That's how you know it's good. Yeah, a lot of air pockets. It's got a nice crunchy outer layer with the soft doughy inner layer. Mm-hmm. Nice outer coating of the, the sugar and the cinnamon. Yeah, you want to do it when it's still kind of warm. If it cools yeah, off, it's, it's kinda... a little harder to get on. Right, but... yeah. Like, probably, like, because it still has, like, fresh grease on it, kind of helps hold it on there, and then just the warmth. 
Yes. Oh, okay. And I, I don't, really I don't know, know why it, it does that. Yeah. You, I mean, usually for foods, it's just when you're adding things on the outside like that, it's easier to do when it's warmer. Mmm. Wow. That's really good. Mm-hmm. That fudge really makes it. <laughs> yeah, fu- we, we took a little bite of it without the fudge, and like it was good without the fudge, but mm-hmm. hot dog. That fudge on there, that's really good. Yeah, if you can find like a good fudge recipe, I would do it. Yeah, we cheated a bit just because we had some fudge on hand, but it's... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, homemade fudge isn't too difficult either. Mm-mm. And not like the solid kind. Um, <laughs> dipping kind. Yeah. Yeah, and I really like, uh, you know, on the outside, it's nice and crispy. It's got the, those fun ridges. Mm-hmm. The, the cinnamon and sugar sticks to it really well. Just not, adds a nice little sugary coating. Yeah. Really yummy. I like how you're still admiring it. I think this is the first time I've finished before you. You always usually finish before me. It's just so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. So the dough itself, is there, when you said there's cinnamon in it, is there any other kind of flavoring or is it just kind of just a little bit of cinnamon? Yeah, it's just cinnamon. It's really good. I, I, I like that it's, uh, it's nice having such a sort of plain dough and then you know, the cinnamon and sugar on the outside gives a nice contrast. Mm-hmm. And then the fudge just as a whole. Transcendent. Extra layer. Yeah, it's just so good. Well, it's come to that time once again, where we have to rate the recipe. Oh boy. I forget who, I always forget, gotta keep track of this, who rates yeah. first each time. Mm, how's about you rate first today? What, what, what would you give this recipe? 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10? Alright, alright. It's not a bad recipe. Um, I feel like there are better ones though. <laughs> yeah. It's just, all I could find was Disney. Yeah, I imagine, yeah, with Disney having released their recipe, it's kind of swamped the internet and a little bit harder to find a more traditional recipe. But yeah. uh, any other any other downsides, pitfalls, things you'd want to improve, try to um, boost your rating, or just, the, just that's as high as it can go, <laughs> this particular recipe. I don't know. I, I just think I need to get better at pat a shoe cream it just when i make it it's always different it, it just tastes different gotcha. to me so i'm just like okay how do i get it to taste like everyone else's oh okay it's just sort of consistently making that one component yeah well uh for me i would i'd, I'd give that an eight out of ten okay this solid it's a, a good recipe uh it was my first churro, and so I don't want to give it too high of a rating. Too high of a rating because it is not a the quote fully original churro recipe. Mm-hmm. But I, I imagine I know like like I, like if they serve this at Epcot or something, you know Disney's recipe. I, I imagine they're trying to make it somewhat traditional. They're not going to make it completely, you know, not rooted in tradition. Yeah. But I'm sure they have taken steps to probably make it easier to mass produce and it be quality wise the same you know, yeah because when anything gets like commercialized the the quality is or yeah i guess the quality isn't as great and it's not as traditional yeah like it's still good but yeah it's, yeah, it's not quite a 100 percent traditional recipe yeah but yeah i enjoyed it like uh the, the few churro flavor things that I've tried, like, sort of, I was kind of prepared me for it. And so having an actual churro, I enjoyed it. It was very yummy. I'm actually 
so sorry. I just thought I was trying to pull up for next week's episode and then I got an email from one of my chefs. Um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to say something else way before that. Oh. <laughs> by uh, ADHD. Oh, your, your train of thought got derailed several times. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to say this. And I saw, well, I was going to say something, open up next week's episode. And then my chef emailed me. <laughs> They're all lovely. Honest to God. They reach out. They're so sweet. Checking emails while we're, while we're recording here? No, <laughs> I saw the notification on the screen and I was trying to get to Google Docs. I'm not slacking. I swear. I just was pulling up next week's episode so we could give a little tease. <gasps> it's that episode. Yeah, it's that episode before we get there. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry. Did, uh, any any pop quizzes this week? Any Any surprises? I did not think about that. <laughs> Saved by the bell. Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we dip out of here and before we tease next week's episode, we just want to thank everyone once again for listening. We we appreciate your listenership. Mm-hmm. If, uh, if you super enjoyed the episode, uh, you can check out our Patreon, the patreon.com slash hot oven time machine. We would love your support. We'd love your support. But thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate any support we can get. If if you're unable to support us financially, which is totally cool, just uh, let everyone know if you know anyone who likes history or baking or both or just two people having a good time chatting about food, just uh, tell them there's this new podcast they can listen to and they'll be set. <laughs> yeah, and you can support us on all of our social media. We have Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Check out our YouTube, but right now it's just uploads of of the podcast episodes. Yeah, we're hoping maybe well, we can get some videos out there one at, day. At one point, we'll, we'll we'll dip our toes into the video. But like, I, I like the idea of a baking podcast. There's already so many baking videos. Yeah, it's it's fun to be able to listen to the history and learn a bit a little bit of baking without having to you know have your eyes glued to the screen. You can do other things while you're listening. We've got our uh, review podcast review challenge leave us a five-star review on itunes tell us a funny stressful entertaining kitchen story and once we hit 50 reviews we'll read them out on the podcast i'm excited for that honestly we, we really want to see what, what y'all what shenanigans y'all get up to in the kitchen because i know we do sometimes oh yeah <laughs> i mm, think about that last cake i made <laughs> hey jeff hey you want to come say something on the podcast you know jeff won't Oh, oh, all right, bye. <laughs> Jeff's so funny. He, he wants to sit in my lap, but if I pick him up, he'll immediately jump away. But if I sit here, like, dead still, and he jumps up here, then he'll make himself all comfortable. But mm-hmm. but if I pick him up, he's like, no, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> he's a... He's a special one. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, thank you for listening. Next week's episode, it's going to be a fun one. It's our 10th episode. We figured we'd set ourselves up a little challenge. Bake off. Bake off. Should should we tell them what we're baking off? Yes. See, I'm a big fan of pancakes. And I'm a big fan of waffles. And I think pancakes are better than waffles. I think waffles are better than pancakes. So we're going to settle it once and for all. Bake off style. Yeah. We're going to be in the kitchen. 
We're going to be discussing the histories of both pancake and waffle, and we're going to be arguing our points as to why I think the pancake is better. And I'm going to argue why the waffle is better, because it is. That's where you're wrong. No. <laughs> but you'll just have to tune in next week <laughs> to, to see how that goes. I say next week, next episode. Yeah. Every two weeks. Every two weeks. But we're very excited, and I hope uh, we're, we're looking forward to recording it and making it, and I hope y'all enjoy it. And uh, we'll see y'all next time. Stay safe. Happy baking. Happy baking. Bye. Bye.